Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Matthew 13, 31 through 58. Let's get right into it today as we're picking it up right in the middle of Matthew 13. So we're continuing on this theme of parables, a chapter that is full of parables. And as we look at many parables today, I really want to focus on three things that I see as themes, sometimes across multiple Parables. So we won't necessarily be able to get into every parable individually, which again, just reminds me, maybe it's good to say this every once in a while. As we're going through the New Testament here, I personally am under no delusions of grandeur that in this podcast, over 312 episodes, we're going to answer every question or go in depth as much as we possibly could in 10 to 15 minutes a day. Uh, We're going to do the best we can and really we're, we're trying to even look at some things like we've talked about then, always, now. Uh, what, what are we learning? How can we worship God? Uh, what, what are we wanting to apply from the text? We're going to try to address uh, a lot of those issues as best as we can, but there's obviously a lot deeper that we could go and that you can go. And that's a good reminder. Hey, we should be students of the Bible our entire lives. So I want to encourage you to always be looking to dig even deeper. Deeper. Uh, maybe have some tools like uh, a good study Bible or uh, some Bible software that maybe even helps you get into some of the original languages. Or uh, you can always, especially if you're a part of Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, I'd love to talk more. If there's a question that you have, we could talk at church or we could get together another time and talk more about uh, some of these passages. Uh, but today, let's highlight three themes, three things I saw stressed in the parables uh, in this back half of Matthew 13. And one is the growth of the kingdom. And that's really in these first two parables. Uh, The kingdom of heaven, verse 31, is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. And when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Uh, And and so here uh, we see this seed that then grows up into a tree uh, that's big enough for birds to come and make nests. And again, we might not all be bakers, but you probably all have some understanding of uh, the process of, of bread and how it, it rises and and the leaven you know, causes things to spread. And Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And I think this is where we don't need to try to find something super mysterious. I think it's rather plain. And just consider even what we will see in the book of Acts, where it goes from really Jesus and now he ascends and there's the apostles and they've got a small group with them. And by the end of the book, or even really the middle of the book, they're being accused of turning the world upside down. And Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses, uh, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
And while we should admit, hey, there is a lot of work still to be done in reaching people with the gospel, we should step back and, and say, man, look how the kingdom has permeated and has reached in many cases to the ends of the earth, just as Jesus said it would. Or, or sometimes look at how powerful the gospel can be in a culture. Even consider uh, ways that the even in places where Christianity is persecuted, the gospel still spreads even many times in persecuted places more than in others. So one application of this for us should be really a confidence. If we are a part of the kingdom and we are seeking to serve the kingdom through the cause of the gospel and the church, uh, we should have a confidence that hey, this is going to work. God is going to Keep what he what he says in his word, or as we'll see in a few chapters, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And, and that's where, again, I'm speaking broadly here that there's certainly places where the church has been strong and is not now, um, or that can be true of individual churches as well. But we, I think we, if we just step back and look at history, we see, wow, these parables, it's worked like Jesus said it should work. And that should give us confidence that I think should motivate us to continue to be about gospel ministry and the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. The, the other theme that I saw in these parables in Matthew 13, the second half of it is really the reality of coming judgment. We read the parable of the weeds in the first half of the chapter. Now he explains, and it's similar to the parable of the net that they both end with really this sorting. Uh, Verse 41, uh, the son of man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom, all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Or then later the kingdom of the net, really this net, uh, and they, they gather all the fish, but then they sort the the good, uh, they, they keep the good in containers and they throw away the bad. And again, it talks about angels throwing the evil into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we see that phrase weeping and gnashing of teeth and fiery furnace twice. Uh, And both times, or or especially the first time, uh, we see it contrasted really with the righteous shining like the sun uh, in the kingdom of their father. So there, that's a good reminder for us that there is a coming judgment. And, And the kind of coming judgment we see here is binary, right? You have the righteous and you have uh, the wicked or the evil. And for the wicked, there is judgment that is described as a fiery furnace and weeping and gnashing of teeth, really a, a basic description of what we could see in other scriptures expanded on the reality of hell. And so these parables should emphasize that reality to us. And obviously, that should always start with us personally. Hey, am I ready for judgment? Am I going to be cast away with the evil? Or will I shine like the sun in the kingdom of my father? And again, how do we get into the kingdom? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We don't earn this righteousness on our own, but we really find it in the Savior, this Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
Christ. And so that's a good reminder for us. But again, even as we've seen this imagery of harvest, we looked at yesterday with the parable of the sower. We've seen recently with Jesus's call to pray for laborers in the harvest. It's a good reminder that we have urgent work to do because judgment is coming. And ultimately, people are going to end up in one of two places. And we we should be wanting to scatter the seed and spread the word and the good news of the kingdom of heaven, that there is a way to get in on this kingdom through Jesus Christ. The third theme I saw uh, really in the parables that we see today is the value of the kingdom. And that's in those two parables in verses 45 through 46. First, the treasure hidden in a field, which the man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. And I'll put my cards on the table. These are actually two personally of my favorite parables. Even I think I've done multiple teachings now with the title, No Treasure Like Jesus, uh, because I, I think these passages are so beautiful and powerful in really putting together, I think, a lot of what we see. Because as we go on, we're going to see Jesus teach and already have seen him teach on the cost of discipleship, that there is sacrifice required to uh, follow Christ. And I think this passage helps us make sense of that. Yes, there is sacrifice, uh, but you gain a treasure that is so far surpassing in value to anything that you gave up. And I think these are great verses to, to summarize what the Christian life is like, what life in the kingdom of heaven is like, that the sacrifices you make, uh, will you won't regret any of them because of life in the kingdom of heaven, which we only gain through Jesus Christ. And so I hope that even helps us remember when we see some of the more intense passages, take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. You, you, you've got to hate your life to find your life. Uh, that this helps us also see that, yes, there, there, is, there is a strong uh, element that, that we need to take seriously of self-denial, but there's also a joy to that because we have found a treasure in the kingdom of heaven that is worthy of us leaving everything else behind. And I hope that's a sense that you have in your Christian life. And and even it speaks to a a question that I think a lot of Christians could do better at answering. Well, why do I live the Christian life? And especially in a very Protestant understanding or culture or influence, right? Where we're, hey, I know I don't earn my salvation through works. I'm saved by grace through faith. So I'm saved by grace through faith. Well, then why do I follow Christ and do all that he commands me to do? Well, because life in his kingdom is treasure and it's it's better than anything else the world has to offer. So of course, I want to say no to sin and, and sacrifice and deny myself 
because this treasure is so much more valuable. Jesus and his kingdom really are that precious. And so I will gladly give up everything to pursue uh, this kingdom. And so I hope that helps us make sense of a lot of the Christian life. I hope those parables are as precious to you as they are to me. Uh, And I hope you saw those same three things as you read, that the growth of the kingdom, the coming judgment, and the value of the kingdom. As the chapter wraps up, it speaks of Jesus's rejection at Nazareth. You know, and one thing just to note to help you understand that part, you know, they're saying, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? This is not a, wow, look at Jesus. I never knew that he could do all this. I didn't know that he was so wise. That's so cool. No, because it goes on to say, verse 57, and they took offense at him. All right. It's it's more of a, who does Jesus think he is? Don't we know this guy? Isn't he he the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother called Mary? Don't we know his brothers? Where does he get off going like saying these things and trying to do these things? Who does he think he is? They took offense. And that explains Jesus's response. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household, right? That he's not going to get the honor there. And so that's where he doesn't do mighty works there because of their unbelief. Again, notice another passage holding them responsible for their unbelief. And that being part of why Jesus doesn't do things there because of their clear patterns of unbelief. So we've wrapped up now Matthew chapter 13, a lot of parables there. We'll get back more into the ministry of Jesus as we continue in Matthew 14. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.